Welcome to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church, featuring our pastor, Rebecca Duke-Barton. I'm so glad that you're joining us today on this Christ the King Sunday. This is our last Sunday of the church calendar. Next Sunday begins a new church year with Advent. So today we stop and we say thanks and we celebrate that Christ is the King and He reigns, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Our scriptures point to us about what the reign of Christ looks like. We read Matthew 25 earlier in this service And we saw the Son of Man sitting on the throne of glory, judging the nations and separating the sheep from the goats. For our Old Testament lesson, we're going to be reading from Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 16, and then 20 through 26. Will you listen as we hear from Ezekiel? For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks, When they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the water courses, and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, And the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on the rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy." I will feed them with justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide, I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be ravaged, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make them a covenant of peace and banish wild animals from the land, so that they may live in the wild and sleep in the woods securely. I will make them in the region around my hill a blessing and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. This is the word of God for the people of God. And as we prepare for Thanksgiving, we all say, thanks be to God. Countries often choose symbols for themselves that show the characteristics that they hope to embody. The Edelweiss flower is a national symbol of Austria, Because the flower mostly grows on rocks in the Alps in winter, it's a symbol of courage and resilience. That may help you know why the song Edelweiss in the Sound of Music is a protest song against the Nazis. It it seems like they're singing about a small white flower, but really they're celebrating the resilience and the courage of the Austrian people. 
We associate dragons with China and emus with Australia. And I was surprised to discover recently that the unicorn is Scotland's national animal. The United States, of course, uses an eagle as its symbol. It's a bird that flies high in the skies, so it symbolizes freedom and power and strength, but also inspiration because you're always looking up at an eagle. But now Ben Franklin thought that we should have used a turkey as our national symbol because he said the eagle was a bad moral character, taking its food from what others had worked for. But a turkey, Ben Franklin said, a turkey is a bird of courage, always ready to defend its own farmyard. I wonder how we would think of ourselves differently if Franklin's arguments had won the day and a turkey was our national symbol. I mean, what would we eat for Thanksgiving? You can't eat your national symbol. How would we think of ourselves differently if we were known as people who celebrated the turkey, not just on Thanksgiving, but if that was how we described our nation? So I've been thinking about this. It's Christ the King Sunday. And when we think of symbols of kings, we think of symbols of wealth and power crowns and thrones and gold everywhere. Of course, we see those symbols throughout the Bible of God's kingship. But more often than not, when the Bible describes the ideal king, the symbol is a shepherd. It's not a fierce animal. It's a shepherd who works hard and risks his life for the sheep, who seeks out lost sheep and binds up their wounds. It's the symbol for who Christ is as King. Jesus, in all his glory, laid aside his throne and picked up a shepherd's crook. He laid aside his golden crown and took up a crown of thorns. That's the depiction we read in Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 starts out describing God as the shepherd and then turns to describe the king in the line of David as the shepherd, the shepherd who seeks out the scattered sheep and returns them to Israel to feed them and protect them. This is particularly important for the first listeners of Ezekiel 34. The people of Israel had been through a national trauma. The Babylonians had taken over. Ezekiel and many of his fellow citizens had been taken into exile in Babylon. And in chapter 33, the one right before we read today, they had gotten the word. The temple had been destroyed. Jerusalem was in ruins. This was a crisis, a national crisis, a physical crisis, a spiritual crisis. I think Ezekiel would have understood the trauma of 2020. Now, the Babylonian kings would have understood that their subjects existed to serve them. They demanded the finest things. Their subjects were expected to fight their wars. The Babylonian kings reflected their beliefs about the pantheon of gods and goddesses in Babylon. You could deport and scatter a whole country just because. Israel sometimes had kings who tried to rule like that too, and God had words to say about the shepherds who fed themselves rather than feeding the sheep. The Babylonians, by the way, used a lion as their symbol, 
and like a lion they had devoured and destroyed. But God the shepherd stands in the way of the lion, going out to seek the scattered sheep and bring them back. God says this in verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. What is so different about the symbols that Israel uses it's because their God is so different. Our God is so different. You see, God is depicted as a shepherd, the one who cares for the weak. And instead of scattering the sheep, he brings them back to the fold. And this is the model Israel's kings were meant to follow. That's what Ezekiel 34 is trying to say. That Israel's kings should follow after the way that God acts toward his people. Sometimes we talk as though the God of the Old Testament were different than the God we see in Jesus Christ. But this passage shows us what is in the heart of God and what the heart of God has always been like. And so whether it's the Babylonian exile of Ezekiel's time or the Roman oppression of Jesus's time or the spiritual exile we may be experiencing in 2020, God is always the shepherd of the sheep always bringing us back, always feeding us and strengthening us. In fact, God tells us we will see showers of blessing. Isn't that beautiful? In this Thanksgiving week, when we may feel like things aren't quite right, when, when some people are gathering, but some of us aren't, and we just are worried here we've got God who's the shepherd who cares for the sheep. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And he's looking after us and all of the scattered sheep God is bringing back. See, when we get this vision of what kind of king Christ is, then we begin to understand what it means to live under the kingship of Christ. We read in Revelation on All Saints Sunday that the new heaven and the new earth, it, God would wipe away every tear from our eyes and there would be no more hunger and no more thirst and he'd give us all a white robe. And this is what God wants for his people, for all of his creation. Last week we heard from N.T. Wright that when we understand this vision of God's kingdom, we are unstoppably motivated to make this world look as much like God's kingdom as possible. We know what God's kingdom looks like and we want it. We want it here. We want all of the sorrow and the loneliness and the hunger to be taken away. And the sheep who hear God's voice are going to do everything possible to make this a world where there's no more hunger and no more thirst and no one is naked and no one is a stranger. This passage in Ezekiel 34 talks about God judging between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. There are always sheep who seem to take more for themselves, getting fat while others don't have enough. 
Ezekiel described the fat sheep as having butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. The fat sheep bring destruction. Now Jesus takes that picture and kicks it up a notch in Matthew 25. Melissa Scott writes, Here the king is shining in glory, sitting on a throne surrounded by all his angels. While Matthew's image of the king differs from the shepherd of Ezekiel, the king's actions are the same. Those who have butted their way through life without regard to the people being pushed away by their actions are chastised by the king. But the sheep, those who are the sheep of his pasture, those who are the loyal followers of the king, they have followed the king's lead without even realizing what they're doing. You see, their love for the one who cares for them has led them to do the same to other people that the king, the good shepherd, has done for them. The fat sheep of Ezekiel, or the goats of Jesus' parable, all seem to miss the point of what it means to live under the kingship of Christ. They aren't motivated to make this world look anything like the coming kingdom of God. They don't seem to have any idea of what that kingdom looks like. And you can tell the difference because they haven't fed the hungry or given anybody anything to drink or given anybody clothes or welcomed the stranger or visited anybody in prison. Basil the Great, one of the great theologians of the early church, wrote, When someone steals another's clothes, we call them a thief. Should we not give the same name to one who could clothe the naked, but does not? The bread in your cupboard belongs to the hungry. The coat unused in your closet belongs to the one who needs it. The shoes rotting in your closet belong to the one who has no shoes. The money which you hoard up belongs to the poor. Basil the Great lived in the 300s, y'all, and even then he was worried about all the stuff we could accumulate when there might be somebody out there who needs it. But the sheep in Jesus' story, the sheep of God's pasture, they seem to understand what it means to live in the kingship at a heart level. They're imitating the shepherd without even realizing that's what they're doing. Caring for the poor and the outcast isn't a plan to gain favor. They weren't kind and generous for the sake of the reward that they would receive. In fact, they're surprised that anyone took notice. Lord, when did we see you hungry? When were you sick? When were you in prison? Instead, the sheep in Jesus' story lived under the kingship of the good shepherd, and because they had been well cared for, because they had been showered with blessings, they extended that same kindness to others. It came natural to them because that's the kingdom Jesus has ushered in. When you've been fed by the shepherd, you are going to make sure that enough people have enough to eat. When your own wounds have been healed by the shepherd, you're going to visit the sick. When you were lost and the shepherd sought you out, that gets into your heart to welcome the stranger and visit those in prison because they're lost 
and need to be brought back too. We have a baptism this morning at Jessup First United Methodist Church, Michael Gardner. We're delighted to welcome him into the family of God. What we remember when we baptize an infant is this. God is the shepherd of the sheep, and he seeks us out and brings us back into his fold. In our baptism, we remember that Jesus was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. In our baptism, we are made new. Our wounds are healed. In our baptism, we are literally and figuratively showered with blessings from God. And because Michael is being baptized into this kingdom of God, he will live under the reign of Christ. He has already been loved and accepted. He doesn't have to prove himself to God. God already loves him. God already claimed him and put his own name on Michael. And that's going to affect the course of the rest of his life. In his baptism, Michael is free to go live out life in the kingdom. And that's true for each of us. Jesus is the great king, the one who rules over us. But he isn't the king who makes the sheep take care of him. Jesus takes care of the sheep. Where do you see that happening in our world? Where do you see people unstoppably motivated to make this world look more like the coming kingdom of God? Word came out this week that there's a promising vaccine for COVID, too, actually. I personally think that this is how God is right in the midst of us, working to heal the wounded and tend the sheep. But of course, God is at work through people. One of the vaccine companies put out a list of groups helping to fund and do the work. I took note because Emory's on that list, and you know I'm an Emory graduate, so while y'all are all cheering for your football teams, I'm cheering for those Emory doctors. Also on that list was Dolly Parton's foundation. Now, we already loved Dolly because we got books in the mail from her imagination library when our kids were little. Can you believe she has given out over 143 million books to kids? I heard her on an interview with Brene Brown this week, and they were talking about seeing other people's suffering. And Dolly said with her distinctive twang, I won't try and do it, but hear it in your head. Talking about suffering, that's where I, as a Christian person, Try to think about when Christ talks about the people who are suffering and going into the prisons. She says, you, you've got to think about them. She said she wrote a song that was called, Would You Know Him If You Saw Him? Doesn't that seem to work right on this parable? Dolly said he might be a barefoot newsboy or he might be a beggar in the street. God comes in all ways. And so Dolly's question in the interview was this. So how are we going to deal with that? Dolly's so right. How are we going to deal with that? God presents us with people who are suffering all the time. If that's you right now, God is at work to feed you, to bind up your wounds, to bring you back from the places you are scattered to a safe place. But if he's already done that for you, your response as a Christian person is to care.
the thing is, God's sheep can't help ourselves. We know about God's plans for the coming kingdom, and we want that now. We see what the kingdom of God looks like, and we want more of it. We want more here, right now, in 2020. And we want to do everything we can to make that happen. We want those showers of blessings, not just for ourselves, but this whole world that God so loves. We want showers of blessings for the single mom who is working so hard. And also for the mom who didn't expect to be a mom. We want showers of blessings for the dad who lost his job and can't pay the rent. We want showers of blessings for the people who are sick and can't afford to go to the doctor. We want showers of blessings for the kids who just want something to eat today. We want showers of blessings for the people in prison right down the road from us. We want showers of blessings for all of those who are suffering. We pray it every week. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the prayer that we pray and we want to see it happen. Christ is the King. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, the great shepherd of the sheep, we are grateful for the vision of what your kingdom looks like. May it be so in the world and in our hearts. Take away the suffering, seek the lost, bind up the wounded, and shower your blessings this Thanksgiving. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church with Rebecca Duke Barton. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website. It's jessupfumc.org. That's J-E-S-U-P-F-U-M-C dot org.